one day more. Until the 2018 midterms, both parties make their closing arguments. We take a look at the latest outbreak of anti-Semitism in New York City. And Gloria Steinem and Barbara Streisand are back and better than ever. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Oh, so many things to talk about because we have one day more until the midterm elections. And tomorrow, we are doing some pretty awesome stuff. So you're going to want to tune in. Not only do I have my normal episode, we also are doing our election night special, which we do for your pleasure, not mine. So be there. I mean, if I'm going to put that sort of sacrifice in, you may as well be there because come on, people, come on. If I'm going to sacrifice my night, you need to suffer with me. But first, let's talk a little bit about what you do for your legal services. So as a business owner, as a person involved in business, we need legal services on a constant basis. And let me tell you something. Lawyers are extraordinarily expensive, but LegalZoom is not. And that is why you need LegalZoom. They are there to give you the tools you need so you can focus on running your business. I knew about LegalZoom way back when, when I was just doing like incorporation documents, when I was doing wills and trusts. But you can use LegalZoom for a wide variety of legal services. More than a million Americans have used LegalZoom to start their businesses. But even after your business is set up, LegalZoom can still help you out. Things like lease agreements, changing tax laws, contract reviews, those are all part of running your business. And you don't know what you're doing, which is why you need a lawyer. They even have crafted a a business legal plan so you can get advice for your business from vetted independent attorneys and tax professionals licensed in every state. The best part is you won't get charged by the hour since LegalZoom is not, in fact, a law firm. Visit LegalZoom.com right now to take care of your business before the year winds down. And for special savings, be sure to enter promo code BEN in the referral box at checkout. That is promo code BEN for special savings only at LegalZoom.com. Again, that is LegalZoom.com. Go check it out right now, LegalZoom.com, and use that promo code BEN in the referral box at checkout to let them know we sent you and for special savings. So check that out right now. All right, so tomorrow... Tomorrow it begins is the great election of our time. Now, I have to say, there are a lot of folks who constantly say that whatever election is happening right now is the most important election of our lifetime. And this is not the most important election of our lifetime. It's an important election, just like most elections are important. It's important in the sense that the direction of the country could shift pretty remarkably if the Democrats were to win, for example, the House and the Senate setting up their run against President Trump in 2020. It could also shift against intersectional politics from the left if Republicans were to hold the House. If Republicans were to hold the House in spite of the hatred of President Trump, that would be a pretty remarkable turnabout. And again, the only time since 2002 that, that the party in power has held the, the, the seats that they have gained in a, in a House election. Right, 2006, the elections shifted the control of the House. 2010, the election shifted the control of the House. 2014, the control of the Senate shifted. So this would be the first time in an off-year election in 16 years that the party in power actually held the houses that it, that it held before the election. That's a possibility. Okay, So I don't want to discount that possibility. I will not say it's a likelihood, but it is a possibility. So for example, here's a Wall Street Journal poll. There's a chart of polls from the Wall Street Journal and how in the past those have matched up with the actual performance. Right. So the Wall Street Journal poll you know, several years ago, it showed that the Republicans were leading And then it showed that the Republicans won like 60 votes in the House when all was said and done. Right now, the Republicans are are down in the polls about 20 seats. So if that's where it ends up, right, if if the final Wall Street Journal poll shows a seven-point Democratic lead, that is consistent with a 16-seat GOP loss. So while there are a lot of folks saying that this could be up to a 40-seat win for Democrats, it could just be a 16-seat win for Democrats, which means that Republicans hold the House. That is within the range of possibilities. For folks who are saying that it is impossible, for Republicans to hold the House. That obviously is untrue. It is unlikely that they hold the House. The late-breaking polls are breaking against Republicans. 
If the election had been held three weeks ago in the midst of Saga Kavanaugh, I think the Republicans probably hold the House, or at least there's a good shot that they do. Tomorrow night, I think that the chances are, are not great that Republicans hold the House. The new CNN poll shows Democrats leading Republicans by 13 points in the final generic ballot, 55 to 42. Democrats leading among independents by 14, among women by 27. And in some of the bellwether states, things like Florida, where Ron DeSantis, con congressperson, who I think is really great, running against Andrew Gillum, who's a radical left Democrat for the governorship of, of Florida. The early voting is actually cutting in favor of Democrats, which obviously cuts against Republicans, not just for early, early voting, but more broadly as well. The problem with trying to forecast all these elections is that taking that generic ballot poll that shows Democrats up heavily and not looking at each individual district is not being honest about how this is done. The truth is that congressional elections run a lot more like the Electoral College than the popular vote. So let's be real. In 2016, the national vote totals were very close to the national polling, but the Electoral College did not skew that way. The same thing is true in these, in these, in these congressional districts. So just because you have a congressional district in which everything is even and the national vote totals are wildly out of whack, the national vote totals don't matter. All that matters is what's happening inside that district. So if I had to forecast this thing right now, you know, I, if I were to go out on a limb, I say Democrats win 40 seats. If I don't go out on a limb, I say Democrats win 30 seats and win slight control of the House and Republicans maintain the Senate, maybe even pick up a seat or two. Now, let's talk about the final pitches that are being made in the run up to the in the run up to this election. Because one of the things that's driving me absolutely up a wall, and I think it is for a lot of folks on the conservative side of the aisle, is the complete and absolute dishonesty of, uh, about what both parties are contending. So I have freely admitted on this show that I think that President Trump's pitch in the final days of this election about the migrant caravan being this grave threat to the republic, I think that is exaggerated. I do not think 12,000 people are descending en masse on the border in militarily violent ways in order to invade the country. I don't think that's what this is going to be. I think by the time this reaches the border, it'll be several hundred people who go to a port of entry, apply for asylum. Some are accepted, some are rejected. I don't think you actually need 15,000 troops, who, by the way, are not allowed to actually shoot people because that would be a violation of posse comitatus, right? You can't use domestic army to enforce foreign policy uh, or, state, or state law. You can't actually do that. So they're actually going down there right now and they're putting up like concertina wire. They're putting up barbed wire so that people can't cross the border, all of which is fine if President Trump thinks it's necessary. But, you know, the President Trump's closing pitch that this is a massive crisis, I think, is exaggerated. I think he should be pushing the economy, although I understand why he's doing what he's doing. The reason he's doing what he's doing is because the Democratic pitch has basically come down to Republicans are all racist bigots. It's amazing. In 2016, after they lost a national election on the basis of that pitch, they are now reverting to that pitch. The pitch is that if Republicans don't vote Democrat, they are a bunch of racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe, anti-Semites. This is the pitch that Democrats are making as their closing pitch. And that is not a good pitch. It isn't. No matter how much you don't like how Republicans are running, Democrats are running an intersectional identity politics campaign. There's been a lot of talk from the left about Republicans running this identity politics campaign. And even if that's true, that does not change the fact that Democrats are also running an identity politics campaign. And here's my great fear coming out of this election. Like, just trying to put on my objective observer cap for one second. And listen, I'm a partisan. I want Republicans to win tomorrow. I think that if Democrats take control of the House, then it's going to forward the worst impulses among them, and it's going to lead to terrible, terrible policy. Because it turns out it's not just a rejection of Trump to put Democrats in charge of policy. It also means an embrace of radical left policy. And th th there are costs to trying to punish Trump at the ballot box, and that cost is 
putting people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in position to, to, to actually shape policy, putting people like Andrew Gillum in position to shape policy. So here is, here's the big problem, putting out my objective observer cap. If you, are, if you are somebody who doesn't like the tone and tenor of our politics, if the Republicans retain the House, Democrats will become ever more wild, and many Republicans are going to think that President Trump's more ridiculous excesses are good. Right? It's, an affirmative, it's an affirmative recommendation of President Trump's more ridiculous excesses. Just as in 2016, Trump won, and so the party decided what we need is to act more like Trump. You could get that as a reaction from the right to the Republicans winning tomorrow night. On the left, if Democrats win, it's going to be a full-scale belief on the left and a heartfelt belief that the only way to win elections is to be as vile and nasty and intersectional and slanderous of the other side as humanly possible. So I don't see our politics getting better based on anything that happens tomorrow evening. Now, if I had to measure, where do I think our politics get worse? I think if the left wins tomorrow night, then our politics get significantly worse in a variety of ways, not only because the Democrats are then emboldened to embrace the worst among them, but also because the Democratic policy comes along with a lot of negatives. Their policy is extraordinarily radical. And I know we've ignored that policy all the way through this election because everything revolves around the black hole of Trumpism. But the fact is that the Democrats, electing Democrats is not a cost-free proposition. And the reason I'm saying this to you know moderates and leftists in the audience, liberals in the audience, not leftists, liberals in the audience. The reason I'm saying this is because if you want to make every election a referendum on Trump, then what you have to recognize is that there are costs to that referendum. Right? Those costs come in terms of policy. And you can see that the left is already embracing this intersectional politics. They've not moved away from it. They're not unifying the country. The great lie that the Democrats are putting forward and their acolytes are putting forward is that President Trump is dividing the country, but Democrats will unite the country. That is a lie. I think President Trump has been quite divisive on cultural issues. I think Democrats have been just as divisive or more divisive than Republicans. That isn't whataboutism. That's a condemnation of everybody who's attempting to divide us on the basis of politics. But I'll tell you what's even more divisive is people gaslighting, people on the left suggesting that if you're on the right, you're okay with all of the excesses of President Trump. But if you're on the left, you're a wonderful, good, kind, decent, clean, beautiful human being just by nature. And this is what you are seeing even from, you know, the quote unquote moderate Republicans who say we have to vote for Democrats in order to in order to stop Trumpism. So you're going to affirmatively vote for the party of Keith Ellison in order to stop Donald Trump. Explain to me how that one works. I understand the argument, as I did in 2016, that you don't like anybody, you're staying home. I get that. But to suggest that, a, that a, an, an attempt to green like the Democratic Party is somehow going to make the country better is just bizarre. And the media are pushing as hard as they possibly can on this. I mean, the media have just been, when folks say, honestly, when folks say that the media is unbiased, I don't know how you could possibly say that and look at the reality of what the media do on a daily basis. Today, CNN tweeted this out. CNN, remember the ad that President Trump put out there about the caravan? And it juxtaposed the caravan to an illegal immigrant killer. And I said that this ad was inflammatory and over the top, but it was effective and it was not racist. Here's CNN's take. Quote, CNN has made it abundantly clear in its editorial coverage that this ad is racist. When presented with an opportunity to be paid to take a version of this ad, we declined. Those are the facts. So much journalism. Remember, CNN is supposed to be an objective outlet. It is not their job to simply declare ads racist that actually are not racist. But this is what they do. And this is what they do on a regular basis. It's pretty astonishing. CNN fails to report facts on a regular basis as well. Right? This is the same CNN that suggested that President Trump was responsible for the shooting in Pittsburgh, that he was responsible for the bombing attempts against Democrats. 
Well, there was a there was a guy who was arrested over the weekend for vandalizing a synagogue in New York City. CNN failed to report that this guy was a Democratic activist who volunteered on Obama's presidential campaign and was a former city hall intern who worked on combating hate crimes. That's CNN. Factual, factual CNN. And it gets worse. It gets worse. I'll explain in just a second. But first, let's talk about how you do your postage. So I know you, you think that the only way to do postage is you send one of your folks down to the post office to wait in line and then they have to spend time there and they have to spend money there. Well, the fact is you can get all the great services of the post office at stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can access all those amazing services right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package using your own computer and printer. The mail carrier picks it up. Just click, print, mail, you're done. It could not be easier. We use stamps.com here at the Daily Wire offices on a regular basis. It saves us time, which means it saves us money. Right now, use promo code Shapiro for our special offer. Up to 55 bucks of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in promo code Shapiro. Again, that's stamps.com. Enter promo code Shapiro, stamps.com. Use that promo code so you get that free offer. Again, 55 bucks free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. When you go to stamps.com, and click on that radio microphone at the top of the page and type in Shapiro. Go check it out right now. That's stamps.com, promo code Shapiro. So the media obviously have a stake in this election cycle in making it a referendum on Trump and ignoring the fact that there's another party that's part of this election. Now, in 2016, the great lie was that that was a referendum on Trump. It was not a referendum on Trump. It was a referendum on Hillary Clinton. And because it was a referendum on Hillary Clinton, Trump won. In an off-year election, it's usually a referendum on the president. That's usually the way that it works. But again, this is a two-party system, and that means it should be a referendum on Democrats too. But here are the headlines from the Washington Post. These were the two leading headlines at the Washington Post website as of last night. Quote, midterms test whether Republicans not named Trump can win by stoking racial animosity. So much journalisming. So much journalism because Trump is stoking racial animosity, and so are Republicans everywhere, everywhere. What are their examples in this piece of Republicans stoking racial animosity? a bunch of non-Republican groups running ads non-associated with Republican campaigns, and Steve King, who was condemned by the National Republican Congressional Committee head last week. That's an example of the Republicans stoking racial fears. That was headline number one. Headline number two, quote, full Trumpism. The president's apocalyptic attacks reach a new level of falsity. That's objective journalisming from the Washington Post. And you wonder why Trump rails against the fake news, guys? That's why he's railing against the fake news. Sometimes he's being overbroad. Sometimes he's attacking people because they are covering the news. But when he attacks the Washington Post for this sort of coverage, that is not wrong. I don't remember any similar headline about Barack Obama in the aftermath of, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. I don't have the executive power to greenlight illegal immigration. And the Iran deal is going to be fantastic because the Iranian regime is moderating. I don't remember any of this sort of media coverage from the Washington Post. The president's apocalyptic attacks reach a new level of apocalyptic what is Trump bringing about the apocalypse? We have 3.7% unemployment and record economic growth. Where's the apocalypse exactly? But this sort of media coverage has become the usual on the left because if they want to make it a referendum about Trump, that's the only way they think they can win. And you will see that the intersectional politics of the left has, has reached epic proportions. Again, more media bias. ABC News trotted out this chart. Okay, here's a chart that ABC News trotted out. It said, candidates going into the general election, including House, Senate, and governor's races. Female, 278 candidates, 214 Democrats, 64 Republicans. Non-white, 202, 148 Democrats, 54 Republicans. Openly LGBTQ, 25, all Democrats. 
Okay, so here's the question. Who gives a crap? Right? Who cares? Who cares how many candidates are female or non-white or openly gay or transgender? Like, who, who cares about that? ABC News cares because they are deeply involved and ensconced in intersectional politics. When folks claim that Trump is using identity politics, remember, the identity politics did not start on the right. It started on the left. But if you're going to run a campaign and you got nothing else to run on, you have to run against Trump's quote-unquote identity politicking. So Anna Navarro, who is the left's favorite Republican, which is to say she's no longer a Republican, she was on CNN with Chris Cuomo, a.k.a. block of human, actually like a block of wood. And here is Anna Navarro explaining that Trump is a racist pig. And this, of course, makes Democrats very happy to hear. CNN has lost, honestly, they've lost the thread over at CNN. Whatever they think they are, they're obviously just a, a wing of the Democratic Party. I think they're more radical than MSNBC at this point, which is an amazing thing to say. But this is what it is. So Anna Navarro making the case that Trump is a racist pig, therefore vote for Democrats. Yeah, Sign you, me up in, in the category of the people who think he's racist. He has said so many racist when things. When you don't want to talk so policy, you call things. him a racist. It's, well, the, but, it's the scarlet but, R. The Central Park Five. We gotta go. We gotta go. We'll take it up again Central after the Park election. Five. Mexicans right. are racist, are criminals, and rapists. El Salvador right. and Haiti are holes. He is a racist pig. Okay, so he's a racist. They're gonna shout that on TV until they win. Okay, they're not gonna put any of those things in context or simply say, okay, fine. So. Trump says things that I think are racist. Does that mean that I have to vote against the entire Republican Party? Are all of those people, are all of those people the same as President Trump? Of course not. But here's the thing. So Anna Navarro writes a piece over at CNN, and it's telling. Right? She says, my Florida absentee ballot had been sitting on my kitchen counter unopened for more than two weeks. Every day I avoided it as if it was a Zika-infected mosquito. I finally filled it out, and then I schlepped it in my bag for a few more days before putting it in the mail. I was giving myself a chance to change my mind. I wanted to delay the unavoidable. I am a lifelong Republican. Since I began voting, I've always voted for Republicans running in state races in Florida. This year, I filled out my ballot for Democrat Andrew Gillum, and on Thursday, I put it in the mail. Ron DeSantis, a Republican, ran a primary campaign in which he portrayed himself as Donald Trump's mini-me. His signature issue during the primary was building a wall, which is weird because Florida is not a border state. It's a peninsula surrounded by water on three sides. I don't want a Trump echo chamber for governor in Florida. I want a governor who puts the interest of the state above loyalty to a president of his party. But I also didn't want to vote for Gillum. I'm a centrist. He's a progressive. That word kind of scares me. He wants to raise corporate taxes. I'm against that. I think it would impede Florida's economic growth. There's an unresolved issue of an FBI investigation involving the city of Tallahassee while he was mayor. Well, the unresolved issue is that he was likely involved in corruption and targeted by the FBI for that corruption in public-private projects. He says, there are loyalty issues for me. Jeb Bush is supporting DeSantis. But then he says, the 2016, this is Anna Navarro, the 2016 election taught us all an important lesson. Some things in life are binary choices. There is too much at stake in these elections. Often in Florida, elections are decided by one percentage point or less. Writing in Mickey Mouse is not an option. And she says that simply because DeSantis is supportive of Trump, that means that she can't vote for DeSantis. And, and then she cites Caesar Sayoc, who is that crazy person with the Trump ban who is sending pipe bombs to people. It's, it's just, it's astonishing. So, so her solution is, I'm now going to vote for, I'm now going to vote for Andrew Gillum, right? his response to Charlottesville, she's talking about Trump, the Muslim ban, the national anthem controversy, the list is endless. It disgusts me that not even a week after a madman who may have been triggered by the hysteria surrounding migrants killed 11 Jews in a house of worship in Pittsburgh, Trump is back to his old playbook of demonizing immigrants. Gillum is out there, a happy warrior campaigning on a positive message. So in other words, you think that Trump is all of these bad things. So you're going to vote for Andrew Gillum, a radical leftist who is a close associate of dream defenders, an intersectional racist group, 
that is wildly anti-Israel, who's deeply involved in corruption in the city of Tallahassee, and you're going to do all of this because Ron DeSantis is nice to Trump? So your solution is to vote for a radical Democrat because you don't like Trump, who, believe it or not, is not on the ballot tomorrow? That's your solution? This is why I have to say, I think that all of this is, is just a lie. I think the folks who are voting Democrat tomorrow, a lot of the folks who are voting Democrat, who proclaim themselves moderates, are forcibly blinding themselves to what the Democratic Party is in order to reach that conclusion. The, the racist charge against the Republicans is the strongest club in the Democrat bag, but they used it against Mitt Romney, they used it against George W. Bush, and they'll use it against Donald Trump too. Now, I think they're using it against Tr Trump you know, a little bit more justifiably in the sense that Trump says ridiculous things, but to use it against the entire Republican Party is completely unjustified. And say, I'm going to vote for a radical intersectional racist Democrat because that is some sort of rebuke to Trump. How that makes the country better is beyond me. Now, in a second, I want to talk a little bit more about this. We'll talk about what the actual Democrats are actual, what they could be running on. If we actually took a look at what Democrats are seriously talking about in just a second. First, let's talk about you dressing better. Okay, so Indochino is the way that you dress better. They have a huge variety of fabrics, colors, and patterns. It makes Indochino super stylish. There's not an excuse for wearing an ill-fitting suit. You went to the, I know, you went to your local chain store and you picked up a suit on sale and now it drapes off you like Julie Andrews made it for you in Sound of Music, but not quite as tailored. You don't need that suit. What you need is something from Indochino, especially because tailored suits are now available at great prices. You're talking high quality, low price. It's a unique experience, actually, at Indochino. You are playing designer in consultation with their style guides. I went over to their Santa Monica offices. I had a tailor fit, outfit me. I actually went there in person, checked out all the fabrics, checked out all of the designs. They have monograms. They have lapels. It, like, you actually get to choose it as though, as though it's Savoy Row. It's, it's Seville Row. It's, it's really fantastic. Go check it out. Indochino is North America's leading made-to-measure menswear company. Visit a stylist at one of their showrooms. Have them take your measurements personally, or you can measure yourself at home and shop online at Indochino.com and watch as the compliments roll in. November is Black Friday season meaning that 2018's lowest price is up to 70% off everything. The theme is all about stepping out from backstage. Okay, right? You're stepping out from backstage right now because guess what? You've been behind and now you got all the holiday parties. You got to look good. You got a hot date with your wife or with your significant other. Go check it out right now, Indochino.com. And right now, my listeners can receive Black Friday pricing by using promo code Shapiro at checkout. That's 70% off. The regular price for a made-to-measure suit. Shipping is free. Indochino.com. Promo code Shapiro for up to 70% off. You're not going to look better than an Indochino suit. Go check it out right now. So the Democrats' final pitch, of course, of course, of course, is Trump's a racist. Now, what that has to do with Marsha Blackburn, or what that has to do with Martha McSally, a combat vet, or what that has to do with the wide variety of Republicans running across the country is beyond me. But I guess that if you're going to make it a referendum on Trump being mean and Republicans being racist, we'll see how that goes for you. Now, Tom Perez, the head of the DNC, tried to trot this out, too. Again, the entire name of the game for Democrats is misdirect away from your own party, direct it toward President Trump. This is why it would have been better if President Trump simply receded into the background over the past few months and had everybody talk about the economy and talk about Republican successes and point out the Democrats have lost their minds, which they have. The Kavanaugh thing would have gone just as you would have expected it to go. And that would have been the only headline left. Now, obviously, the last two weeks leading up to the election have been about pipe bombs and shootings in Pittsburgh. And that's allowed the Democrats to really ratchet up the rhetoric on, on Trump's supposed divisiveness. Here is Tom Perez making that closing pitch. And now what you see in the closing argument is dog whistle politics, appeals to racist, uh, just the, the worst of America. Yeah, this stuff I sort of hate, this, this dog whistle politics routine, your dog whistle, because what's the implication? That I'm the dog, that you're the dog, that what Trump actually has to do to win an election 
is dog whistle to you. You weren't going to vote for Republicans before, but now he has said something racially tinged and you went, oh, I hate those brown people. And now you're going to go vote for President Trump and his party, even though he's not on the ballot. The reason Democrats are so focused on talking about Trump is because they've got nothing. The same party, the same party that is ripping Trump as an anti-Semite and ripping Republicans as racist, that same party is defending Keith Ellison, who's Tom Perez's number two over at the DNC. Tom Perez went on national television and called his ex-girlfriend a liar. I thought they were supposed to believe all women, but apparently not when it comes to Keith Ellison. Do you think Keith Ellison's ex-girlfriend is lying then? Is that what you're saying? I think Keith Ellison's ex-girlfriend deserves to be heard and deserves to be treated with dignity and deserves to have a fair and full investigation. And that's exactly what has been done. Okay. In other words, yes, I think that she is lying. What do Democrats actually have to run on? The answer is nothing. They've got nothing to actually run on. The record stinks. The policies they want to push stink. The economy is historically good. America is in a better position on foreign policy than it was certainly three years ago. In reality, the Democratic platform is far too radical for the American people. And, what, and in, the, in the secrecy of their own little rallies, Democrats will tell you exactly what they want to do. And it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. What they actually want to do is take over the House, take over the Senate, kick him out of the presidency. And you think at that point they're going to say, listen, we've really, we've fought back against racism and sexism and bigotry and homophobia. Now everything's cool. Let's moderate. Let's tack to the center. Let's find unity. Do you think that's what Democrats are going to do? Or do you think they're going to pursue the most radical agenda they can? It was really funny. In 2008, there was a lot of talk about President Obama being a unifying figure, that he was going to unify America after the divisive Bush years. We're going to react by electing a man of true unity. There was only one problem. Barack Obama then immediately tacked as hard to the left as it is possible to go. He did cash for clunkers. He did stimulus. He did bailouts. He did TARP. He did, the, he did Obamacare. He did all of those in the first year and a half of his administration because he said he won and he had the power. Democrats are trying to do the same thing right now. Don't fall for the scam. Even if you're not a fan of President Trump's, you have to acknowledge there's another party in power. That, and if they get into power because of Trump, they're not going to be anodyne in their policy prescriptions. Nancy Pelosi makes this clear, right? She would be the new Speaker of the House again. Here's Nancy Pelosi saying exactly what she stands for. Uh, San Francisco values, that's what we're about. The city of St. Francis, the city whose anthem is the song of St. Francis, make us an instrument of thy peace. Darkness, light, despair, hope, hatred, love, all of that. That's who we are. Our hearts are full of love for everyone in our country. Colleagues have honored me with titles and this or that, and I say to them, I'm very honored, but I have no bigger honor than to walk onto the floor of the house and speak for the people of San Francisco. Okay, San Francisco is the most left-leaning city in the United States, and she is saying that our politics are the politics of San Francisco, the politics of poop on every corner, the politics of sanctuary cities, the politics of extraordinarily high taxes and extraordinarily high real estate prices, the politics of a city that used to be nice, now falling into ruin because of democratic policy. Right, that is the politics of Nancy Pelosi. And if we got past Trump, we would recognize that if it were a referendum on democratic policy, people would react badly. And it's not just Nancy Pelosi. When Democrats are forced to embrace their own agenda, it's pretty obvious what they want here. Democrats have not made an affirmative case why you should vote for them. They make a case why you should not vote for President Trump. They say he's divisive. But they themselves are just as divisive or more divisive. And not only that, their policies are significantly more radical. Jake Tapper on CNN did a good job of pushing Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is the Democratic gubernatorial candidate in Georgia. She's running in a relatively close race. She, pro she, she, as a representative, pushed a bill, pushed a bill for gun confiscation. Here's Tapper pushing her on it. 
Your co-sponsor told reporters the law, quote, would require gun owners of these particular models to turn their guns in. And again, my, my point is this. The legislation introduced was the beginning of a conversation. I am absolutely certain that with, were we to pass this in Georgia, we would have a conversation about grandfathering in, about whether or not people would turn their, their guns in, whether there would be buybacks. Well, just to be clear, though, I'm just trying to understand. So you, you don't support the actual legislation? You just support having a conversation about it? No. What I've said is legislation in the state legislature is about starting the conversation. So here's the deal. Democrats don't have an agenda to run on. The agenda they've been pushing is really just an agenda of Republicans are racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes. The same agenda they've been pushing my entire lifetime, basically. They're pushing that same agenda now. And on top of that agenda will be a bunch of bad policy. Because this is what they always do. What they do is they say, okay, 2008 was a referendum on Republican leadership. And then Barack Obama came in and he said, no, what this really was a referendum on was nationalized health care, which it certainly was not. The Democrats today and the Democrats in the media are lying. And they are saying this election is about Medicare. It's not about Medicare. People are not voting based on Medicare. They are voting based on whether they like Trump or not. It's that simple. This is a referendum on President Trump. And the problem with referenda on particularly partisan political figures is that it ignores what's going to happen after the referendum, which means that there's going to be a policy shift. And so Democrats, in the end, what are they really campaigning on? Are they really campaigning on Stacey Abrams' gun control or on Medicare or on Social Security? Are they really campaigning on any of those things? No, what they are really campaigning on is we think that there is one side of the country that is hateful and terrible. Vote for us. How do we know this? Because this is what they're campaigning on. I mean, they're not hiding the ball here. President Obama back on the stump, and he is saying President Trump is super duper duper corrupt. I'm like, I'm like, Mike, I'm best. He's standing there in front of Andrew Gillum. He's in, in front of Andrew Gillum, a man actively under investigation by the FBI for corruption. Right? Andrew Gillum was handed Hamilton tickets by an undercover agent for the FBI in a sting operation designed to ferret out corruption in Tallahassee city government. And Barack Obama is standing in front of him at a rally saying Republicans are corrupt. Here's Barack Obama. I promise to take on corruption. Instead, they have racked up enough indictments to field a football team. I didn't have anybody in my administration get indicted. I mean, I, I, I just thought that's how you're supposed to do things. Well, Right. What you thought is that your own attorney general would be held in contempt by Congress and then you'd assert executive privilege to shield him. And then you'd make sure that your DOJ didn't prosecute anybody. The fact that there were no indictments during during Obama's administration demonstrates the complete partisan hackery of his own DOJ. The fact that there are indictments coming out of the Trump administration is actually better evidence that his DOJ is honest than that Obama's was. Jeff Sessions is an honest man. DOJ is doing a good job investigating and ferreting out corruption even inside the party that exists. Barack Obama politicized his DOJ to the point that Lois Lerner actively cracked down on Republican 501c3s and his DOJ did nothing about it. Nothing. And that's, in, that's evidence of his non-corruption. I wrote an entire book called The People versus Barack Obama. It's 200 pages about why people inside the, the Obama administration should have been indicted. Okay, and, and, and Obama's suggestion is that the other party is corrupt. All they've got. This is all they've got. Now, maybe it's enough. Maybe it's enough because Trump is such a polarizing figure, because Trump sucks up the publicity, because Trump sucks the oxygen out of the room. Maybe it's enough. But let's not fool ourselves. There are consequences that come on the back of an election cycle like this. Now, in just a second, I want to talk a little bit more about Democrat alarmism. We've heard a lot about Republican alarmism about the caravan. And I'll be frank with you. I'm, I'm friendly to that argument. I think Republicans have been alarmist about the caravan. But Democrat alarmism is no better. In fact, in many ways, it's significantly worse. And then we'll talk about anti-Semitism and 
I got to talk about this, this SNL thing too. There's a lot to talk about, but you're first going to have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. Before we do that though, let me remind you that if you actually want to get a fantastic present for, uh, present for anyone in your family, you need to head over to Legacy Box. Okay, I really, this is an important service. There are a lot of services we use that are fantastic. This one is actually important. I'm a big believer that the memories that you create during your life have to be preserved in a safe way because if those memories are gone, then you lose them. You do. And, and when those memories are lost, you're losing a part of yourself. Legacy Box ensures that doesn't happen. Legacy Box is a simple, affordable way to get your recorded moments digitally preserved on DVD or thumb drive. Here's how it works. You load Legacy Box with your old tapes, film, pictures, audio recordings, and you send it back. You get them back in a couple of weeks on DVD or a convenient thumb drive ready to watch, share, and relive. I get notes from folks who have used Legacy Box on a fairly regular basis telling me how much it has meant to their family that they now have all of these memories available for quick access. Legacy Box takes care of everything. They provide updates at every step of the way. I've used Legacy Box for my parents. It makes a fantastic, fantastic present, again, for Christmas uh, or, or Hanukkah. Go check it out right now. Over 350,000 families have used Legacy Box. For a limited time, go to LegacyBox.com Ben. Enter my promo code Ben. Get a 40% discount on your order. That's LegacyBox.com Ben. Again, LegacyBox.com Ben. Go check it out right now. LegacyBox.com Ben. Alrighty, so... For the rest of today's show, you're going to need to go over to dailywire.com. We have so many goodies, so many goodies available to you when you become a subscriber. $9.99 a month. That means you get the rest of this show live, Clavin's show live, Knowles' terrible show live. You get Matt Walsh's, Matt Walsh's show live. You can check out all those things. Plus, tomorrow evening, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, I will be here torturing myself by watching the election live with you. So if you're not there, let me tell you something. I will take that as a sign of disloyalty, my friends. Don't miss our next episode of Daily Wire Backstage Election Edition when I suffer through a nine-hour session with God King Jeremy Boring, Andrew Clavin, the execrable Michael Knowles, Elisha Krauss will be there, Colton Haas will be there, Cassie Dillon will be there. All of us will be there suffering together. You won't want to miss that. As always, only Daily Wire subscribers get to ask the questions, so make sure to subscribe today. And if I'm going to put myself through that, man, you could at least have, you could at least have the loyalty to subscribe. I mean, come on. For the amount that we do for you here at Daily Wire, I'm insulted, insulted if you don't. Also, don't miss Andrew Clavin's next chapter of Another Kingdom performed by the execrable Michael Knowles. Today, subscribers get exclusive access to episode six titled He Bought Me, which is also a story about Andrew Gillum. If you're not a subscriber, you won't be able to watch new episodes of season two until Friday. So what exactly are you waiting for? Go check it out right now at dailywire.com. Subscribe to watch the first and second seasons of Another Kingdom. So many goodies for you. When you get the annual subscription, by the way, you get this. The very greatest in all beverage vessels. Feel the calm flow through you as you grasp the solidity of the leftist tears, hot or cold tumbler. Feel the genius infuse your brain as you take a sip from this, the very greatest in all beverage vessels. So go check that out for an annual subscription. You get that as well. Plus, we're adding new subscriber services all the time. You're going to want to be part of the team, and we really appreciate you working with us. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast in the nation. So as I say, Democrats left with no actual policy are left with the closing pitch of Trump, 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 and alarmism, alarmism. Again, when the Democrats say Republicans are alarmist about the caravan, kind of, okay, fair. Now, what Democrats also say is that illegal immigration is no problem, which is just idiotic. And so now I have to choose between should I be alarmist about the caravan and take illegal immigration seriously, or should I be not alarmist about the caravan and say that illegal immigration is totally fine and of net benefit to the United States? If I have to make that choice, I'll go with choice number one, door number one, even though I don't like how the, the migrant caravan is being covered by the media. Okay, but 
To suggest that alarmism exists on only one side is the purest form of gaslighting. Not only does it not only exist on one side, it is significantly stronger on the left than on the right. It is the left that has been suggesting since Trump won the election that it was the end of the world, that we were all going to die. We were going to be killed by net neutrality. We were going to be killed by the tax cuts. We were going to be killed by the withdrawal from the Paris Climate Accords. We were going to be killed by Brett Kavanaugh's appointment to the Supreme Court. We were going to be killed by every single thing Trump did on every other day. President Trump was the destroyer of worlds. And they are still making that case. So if alarmism is a problem, then you might want to think about which party's actually been more alarmist, okay? And, and which party is being more dishonest about that alarmism. Like, he, look, here's Maxine Waters saying that President Trump is promoting violence. Maxine freaking Waters, okay? She's out here in California. I'm old enough to remember the LA riots when she called it an LA uprising and suggested it was fine for people to bust into other people's stores and loot things because of racial anger, specifically, I mean, it was, it was actually racialized looting. I mean, it was, it was very heavy targeting of Korean shop owners in South Central Los Angeles. And that was Maxine Waters giving it the okay. It was Maxine Waters like three months ago saying that people should be confronted in public places over their politics. And now she's saying Trump is promoting violence. You think that alarmism doesn't exist on the left? It is stronger on the left than it is on the right. So before you give me this whole shtick about President Trump is alarmist on illegal immigration, at least illegal immigration is an issue. I'm not going to pretend that I think that President Trump is a grave threat to the entire republic. I don't think that's the case. And I think anybody who thinks that is way out over their skis. But I think that Maxine Waters left her skis a long time ago. She's tramping through the underbrush in, in basically those, those weird shoes that look like tennis rackets. Here's Maxine Waters. And he's promoting violence. I'm accustomed uh, to being threatened. We have had at least one individual indicted who threatened to kill me. I have many uh, threats to kill me from different places in this country. So I'm accustomed to being threatened. Okay, well, that's, that's terrible. Okay, no one should be accustomed to me as someone who's received many threats. As somebody who had security on Shabbat because of all the situations. Okay, like, I'm warm to that argument, but I'm not warm to it, coming from Maxine Waters. And Bill Maher goes on national TV on Friday night, and he says that if you're 18 and you live in the United States, thanks to the Republicans, you might not live in a democracy anymore. Really? You might not live in a democracy anymore? It's amazing. Now, I made the argument in 2016 to Republicans and to everybody else that while the election was important, there would be more elections, the Republic would go on, whether it was Trump or Hillary, there would be serious consequences, but there would be more elections. And there are people who are alarmists saying, on both sides, no, 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 there will be no more elections. I hold to my original position. Donald Trump is not going to end the republic. That's absurd. But here's Bill Maher in front of an American flag explaining the republic will end if Republicans win a midterm election. If Trump wins, he will cast it as a complete endorsement of his most undemocratic behavior. If you're 18 and that happens, you stand a very real chance of not living in a Western-style democracy for part or all of your life. Yes, it can happen here. Okay, let's be real about something. If we are talking about parties being validated and most anti-democratic tendencies of those parties being validated, I'm much more afraid of that from the Democrats than I am from the Republicans. I am. Republican policy is about devolution of authority down to state and local levels. It's about less federal interventionism, or at least it should be. Democratic policy is about centralization of power. Every time the Democrats have taken power, they've brought more power to the federal level and made government less democratic and less, disal and, and less deference to the public. So this is, the, the Democrats' closing argument is alarmism. And the final step in that alarmism is about anti-Semitism. And here I feel like I have some special weight to talk about anti-Semitism. So Barry Weiss, who I'm friends with, was on Bill Maher's show. 
And she said some good things about anti-Semitism, talking about what anti-Semitism is, what the theory of anti-Semitism is. And then she said something with which I really disagree. And Barry and I, you know, we're friends. We talk pretty frequently. She's a columnist over at the New York Times. Here is, here is Barry talking about American Jews and President Trump. And I think that this is alarmist, and I don't think it's correct. Here she is. There are many Jews, including Jews that I know, who have liked many of Trump's policies regarding Israel and the Middle East. They love the fact that the embassy was moved to Jerusalem, a right. move that I supported. They like the mm -hmm. scuttling of the Iran deal. But I hope this week that American Jews have woken up to the price of that bargain. Dignity for all human beings, mm. equality under the law, right. respect for dissent, love of truth. These are the things that we are losing under this president. Okay, and so no let's policy. stop that for a second. Okay, so when she says the price of the bargain is that American Jews signed off on moving the embassy to Israel and therefore bargained away 11 Jews who got shot at a synagogue, I think it's a really, a really bad thing for Barry to say. I, think that I, I do not think that that is right. Maybe she didn't mean it that way. I'll assume best of intentions that she phrased that badly because I, I don't think she meant it that way. But that is an argument that was openly made by people like Julia Jaffe. That, that President Trump, the bargain American Jews made was move embassy to Jerusalem in return for 11 Jews being shot to death. That is not how anti-Semitism works, nor is it how Jewish policy works. And when she talks about the, and when she talks about, you know, the, the fact that facts have become secondary and polarization is real, I agree. I agree with a lot of that. But guess what? That is not relegated to one side. And this isn't whataboutism. This is a recognition of reality on the ground. This is a recognition of reality on the ground. Now let's talk about anti-Semitism for a second, because the closing argument that's being made by a lot of folks on the left, on the political left, and Barry's more in the center, but they're the argument is being made more openly by folks on the political left that essentially Donald Trump forwarded and fomented anti-Semitism and therefore we have to punish the Republican Party. Let's talk about anti-Semitism broadly and in the United States. There are three types of anti-Semitism. I spoke at Vancouver Hebrew Academy last week. This is what I said. There are three types of anti-Semitism. There's left-wing anti-Semitism. There's right-wing anti-Semitism. There's radical Muslim anti-Semitism. Those are the three major types of anti-Semitism on planet Earth today. Right-wing anti-Semitism, this sort of white supremacist anti-Semitism, this has existed for as long as I've been alive. There have been major anti-Semitic incidents from white supremacists every single presidency of my lifetime. There was one during Clinton, there was one during Bush, there was one during Obama, and then there was this one. Okay, so that exists. It will continue to exist. And as I said before, when Trump winked and nodded at the alt-right in 2015 and 2016, there was literally no one on planet Earth more critical of that than I was. Go back and listen to the show. Now, there are two other types of anti-Semitism. And if you want to talk about grave threats to the Jewish people all over the world, not just in the United States, the combination of left-wing anti-Semitism that has infused the Democratic Party and Muslim anti-Semitism that is being let in the back door of Europe by left-wing anti-Semites, okay, that is much more of a threat to Jews all over the world. And the left ignores this stuff, ignores it openly. Okay, anti-Semitism is not on the ballot. The reason it's not on the ballot is because the Democrats are not an answer to anti-Semitism. Keith Ellison was almost the head of the DNC. There are two separate candidates running in this election cycle who have openly, op more than two actually, at least two, who have openly embraced boycott, divestment, and sanctions of the state of Israel. Over the weekend, there are a bunch of kids in New York City who threw a pole through a window at a New York City shul. And I know we're not supposed to talk about anti-Semitism in New York City or the fact that hate crimes in New York City are largely perpetuated by members of minority communities who have a lot of loyalty to folks like Al Sharpton and Louis Farrakhan. We're supposed to pretend it's all a bunch of white supremacists in New York City. But anti-Semitism in New York City is not coming from white supremacists. And this is not an excuse for white supremacists who should all be forcibly expelled from the United States if that were possible. 
right, if that weren't constitutionally illegal. Their, their ideology is evil. But to pretend that endorsement of the left is somehow fighting back against anti-Semitism is nuts. It's just nuts. And to pretend that the mainstream policy of both political parties is widely disparate is also nuts. The Republican Party is far more philosemitic in policy and attitude than the Democratic Party is. They are. And I understand that there are folks on the left who want to suggest that anti-Semitism is related in essence to Jewish left-wing politics. And that, if you, uh, and that the real reason for anti-Semitism is because Jews are left-wing. That is not the real reason for anti-Semitism. The reason for anti-Semitism is because of anti-Semitism. People hate right-wing Jews, they hate left-wing Jews, they hate Jews. I want to discuss that a little more in just a second. So let's talk about the policies, the varying policies with regard to Jews on both sides of the political aisle. So first of all, Louis Farrakhan, right? I know people pretend that Louis Farrakhan isn't a relevant part of America's public life. That is a lie. Louis Farrakhan is a relevant part of American public life. It was Bill Clinton standing next to him at Aretha Franklin's funeral like a month ago. Louis Farrakhan went over to Iran where he chanted death to the Jews in Persian. You say bad Israel, Malkbar. Israel. Malkbar. Yes. Okay, so really good guy, Louis Farrakhan. We still haven't heard from Linda Sarsour on this. We still haven't heard from any of the Democratic Party higher ups on all of this. Okay, there's a woman named Ilhan Omar who is running for Keith Ellison's old seat. She's probably going to win. Okay, she has engaged in openly anti-Semitic rhetoric. The Democratic Party embraces her and champions her as a, as a part of their intersectional coalition. Okay, Ilhan Omar is as far left as humanly possible. Here's what she tweeted in 2012. Quote, Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. Okay, so she is, again, these folks are part of the Democratic Party base. And not only part of the base, they are part of the actual Democratic Party. Now, there are folks on the left who say, well, what about Steve King? People like Steve King. Steve King has flirted with white supremacist groups in recent months. He flirted with a woman named Faith Goldie up in Toronto who has a history of being involved with white supremacist causes. He went over to Europe and hung out with the Freedom Party in Austria. All of these are bad moves. And you know what happened? The NRCC condemned him. When's the last time Ilhan Omar was condemned by anyone? Or Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, by the way, who's an ally of Linda Sarsour and Ilhan Omar. Meanwhile, the... The Democratic Party is the same party that greenlit the Iran deal while claiming that Israel was to blame for all of the problems in the Middle East. It was the Democratic Party that tried to cut off support for Israel in the middle of the Gaza war in 2014. It was Barack Obama who lied, who, who, who let the Iranian regime slaughter people in the streets in 2009 and then lied about their moderation in order to push forward his crappy Iran nuclear deal. So to pretend that the only threat to Jews is white supremacists who are active on Reddit boards and therefore vote for Democrats. It's like saying that there are right-wingers, right-wing anti-Semites in Britain who have been promoted by the Conservative Party or UKIP, therefore vote for Jeremy Corbyn and Labor. No. The Trump administration, by the way, is also fighting back against anti-Semites around the world. Here's Mike Pompeo talking about new sanctions on Iran. These, these sanctions apply to those who conduct sanctionable transactions. Uh, the Treasury has a set of sanctions. The State Department... Um, has its own set of sanctions, and those will all come back into place uh, on Monday of this week, and they'll be the toughest sanctions ever placed against the Islamic Republic of Iran. Now, I know that we may be too stupid to hold two truths at once, but there are a couple of truths we need to hold at once. One, Trump can say some bad stuff that I don't like. Two, his policy can be extraordinarily pro-Jew and pro-Israel. Both of those things are true. And here's the truth about the Democrats. 
A lot of Democrats say some pretty horrible things about Jews and their policy is anti-Israel. So there's that as well. Okay, all of these things can be true at once. It means that politics is complex and nuanced. But the Democratic Party, like the reactionary nature of, I don't like Trump. Therefore, I'm going to vote for the party of Andrew Gillum and Ilhan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with the ideology of Jeremy Corbyn. You explain how that's logical to me. That makes perfect sense. Only if you're, uh, honestly, if you've lost the thread. Okay, time for some things I like and some things that I hate. So things that I like today, first of all, since there is one more day, I felt it necessary to play the only other good number from Les Mis. The first good number from Les Mis, I've sung myself, stars. Uh, it's not a good performance, but if you want to actually go see a good performance, you can go see, I think it's, uh, what's the name of the guy who plays it? Philip Quast? Quast? Uh, he, he, who played the original Javert, who's the hero of Les Mis. Um, but here is the, uh, here is, one Day More, which is the, the culminating number of the first act. This musical is about three years long. So uh, the good news is when you hit the end of the first act, you're only you know, a year and a half older. Here is, here is One Day More uh, from Les Mis, the best number in the, in the show. So you don't have to play the whole thing. But um, I, you know, I'm one of the few people who actually likes the, the movie of Les Mis better than I like the actual stage musical because it's, it's shorter. Although they, they made a huge mistake when they did the movie, which is in the old days when they did a musical, they actually got people who could sing. Meaning they actually got people, and they would voice people over, right? Natalie Wood is sung by Marnie Nixon in West Side Story. Virtually everybody in West Side Story is voiced over. Richard Bamer is voiced over uh, as, as Tony. Um, pretty much everybody in that musical is voiced over. In fact, so many people are voiced over in West Side Story that there's one point where uh, the uh, where um, Rita Moreno's character is voiced over by a woman named Betty Wan, and she was absent one day, so Marnie Nixon had to voice her over. So there's a point where Marnie Nixon is singing with Marnie Nixon in the soundtrack to West Side Story uh, as two different characters. But you know, better that than to have Russell Crowe singing Javert. Yeah, mistake. Okay, uh, other things that I like. So. I know that a huge number of folks who listen to this show have no idea who PewDiePie is. That's because there's an entire subculture on the internet you have no idea about. PewDiePie has 69 million subscribers on YouTube. And a couple of weeks ago, PewDiePie said in one of his videos that he had to have me host something he called Meme Review, which is where he actually looked at various memes on the internet and then laughs at them. Uh, and then we sort of got in connection and we actually did cut part of his meme review. And, uh, and so we appeared in a PewDiePie video because this is our life now. Uh, and uh, it's, it's pretty funny, so here, here's some of that. I have a super special intel scoop that if we all say, okay, this is epic, with enough passion to destroy Lintar, with enough courage to salvage their tears, we can summon Ben Shapiro to do bonus me. This is for bonus me. We can resurrect him from the dead, but only by the power of, okay, this is so epic, Ben Shapiro memes. Okay. This is it. 
Okay. Say it with me. Okay. This is it. Ben Shapiro, do we have time for bonus meme? So PewDiePie asked me to review some memes. Memes are this thing where people put funny stuff on my phone. Here is one of these memes. Let, let's, let's take a look. <laughs> so it's really funny. And again, this has like 5 million views. This silliness is like 5 million views in two days over at PewDiePie. So thanks to PewDiePie for making that happen. And thanks to my staff for humoring all of us in doing that. It's pretty funny. Uh, so you can go check that out. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So the character attacks on Republicans are not restricted, of course, to President Trump. Every Republican is evil in the view of a lot of Democrats. Gloria Steinem, who knows as much about marriage as your average duck, uh, she, she suggested that Brett Kavanaugh, she hates Brett Kavanaugh. Why does she hate Brett Kavanaugh? Because something. She says the only thing worse than Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court is being married to him because the woman who said that a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle is an expert now on marital, on marital accord. Here's Gloria Steinem. Finally, the interviewer asked her a question, and he answered. Yeah. I mean, she opened her mouth, but never, nothing that, came out. Yeah, that moved right in. That says it all, mm. right? I mean, the one thing worse than having him on the Supreme Court is to be married to him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Say the terrible, terrible women of glory. That's Gloria Steinem, Jane Fonda, and Robin Morgan. If your, if your closing pitch to the election is Gloria Steinem, Jane Fonda, who actually sided with the Viet Cong in the middle of a war, and uh, Robin Morgan, a radical feminist, then um, good luck to you. It's not just them. I love that the Democrats are now opening all of the asylums and letting out the inmates. Barbara Streisand has done some new music, and in this new music, she rips on President Trump. So she showed up on Bill Maher, which was just a crazy place on Friday night, apparently. Uh, she showed up and she said she can't sleep nights because living in Malibu in a palatial estate that she tried to sue a photographer for taking an aerial photograph of. Being extraordinarily wealthy and being able to perform songs for a living, she can't sleep nights because Donald Trump is the president of the United States, and that means end of world for people like Barbara Streisand. What, what I love about Barbara Streisand is every two years, she says, if Republicans win, I'm going to move to Canada. And then she looks at the tax rates in Canada, and she's like, I'm going to stay here and fight for my country. So here's Bill Maher with Barbara Streisand. I want to, I, it's so on my mind, Trump is so on my right. mind, mm. you channeled it into That's this right. I couldn't sleep album. nights. And so I was thinking, oh my God, now the, the photographs in my head, the pictures, you know, the children being ripped out of the arms of their parents. Okay, so yes, I'm, I'm sure that she was very deeply worried about the children being ripped out of the arms of their parents when it was Barack Obama doing it. Now, of course, it, she can't sleep nights about it, but it is true. That folks in California who live in like the richest areas, go to the finest restaurants, who sit there shipping $100, bottle, $100 bottles of Chardonnay at lunchtime before going back to their offices where they do minimal work on the arts and then gaze at their Warhol paintings. Like those people are so upset about Trump because in the end, these elections are really about character. And unfortunately, no one has any. So that's, that's what it's become. It's become a referendum on character. Everybody thinks the other side is evil and nobody is able to make anything like a compelling political argument for their positions. That, there's that. A final thing that I hate today, I do have to acknowledge the insane irony of this headline from the New York Times. Brian Kemp's office, without citing evidence, investigate Georgia Democrats over alleged hack. Here's the story. For weeks, Brian Kemp, the Georgia Secretary of State and Republican candidate for governor, has faced accusations that he is trying to suppress the minority vote in his race against Stacey Abrams. 
And just days ago, a federal judge ruled the state needed to adjust elements of its so-called exact match voting requirement, calling them needlessly burdensome. Now, in what Democrats said was a desperate attempt to deflect attention just two days before a crucial midterm, Mr. Kemp used his official position Sunday to announce, with scant evidence, that the Democrats were under investigation for allegedly trying to hack the state's voter registration files. Weird. Let me just change a couple of words there, and then we'll reread that again. For weeks, Barack Obama, the President of the United States, and his Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton, faced accusations that they were trying to suppress Republican votes in their, in their, in their race against Donald Trump. And just days ago, a federal judge ruled that the federal government needed to adjust elements of its requirements, calling them needlessly burdensome. Now, in what, here's the part. Now, in what Republicans said was a desperate attempt to deflect attention just two days before a presidential election, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama used their official position to announce with scant evidence that the Republicans were under investigation for allegedly trying to hack the election. Weird how the New York Times is totally cool with all sorts of allegations without serious evidence that the Republicans were hacking the election. But as soon as it's a Georgia Republican investigating, then all of a sudden it's scant evidence. How dare he? Weird how that works. Very, very weird. It's almost as though the media are biased. Mm. Okay, well, we'll be back here tomorrow with the final, final, final episode before the election results start to roll in. Try to rest up because tomorrow is going to be a long day, particularly for me. So I'll be there with you then. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Senya Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Caramina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire Ford Publishing production. Copyright Ford Publishing 2018. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 